Amen. Please remain standing. I believe Mary Nethercutt is coming to read our scripture this morning, and we have you stand for the reading of God's Word. It comes out of the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. Mary will read our scripture for us this morning. For by the grace given me, I say every, to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself as sober, with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many, many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift, gift is prophesying, then prophesy according with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is given, giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, pour out your spirit upon this, your word, and make it be for us the word of life that we might be people of life. And now, God, hide me behind your cross that your message of love and grace might shine through for the redemption of the world. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. For centuries in the early church, they practiced asceticism. This asceticism was an idea that, that, you, could, that you could draw closer to God through isolation and through, and through fasting and through poverty. In fact, this, this movement of asceticism was sweeping across all of early Christianity, really for almost the first 400 years of Christianity. Because what they, what they came to realize was that as they, were, as they were living in their community, they were beginning to be corrupted by their community. And so they thought that if they could just, if they could cut themselves off of community, if they literally could could go out into the desert by themselves, live alone by themselves, and, and, and practice extreme asceticism, well then, then they would be able to draw closer to God. And this was a movement in the church that, that almost, almost ruined, almost ruined this new Christian movement. Pacomius was, was an Egyptian soldier. He was won to Christ by the, by the kindness of Christians in Thebes. After his release from the military in the year 315, the year A.D. 315, he came across, a, a, well, he was discipled by an ascetic Christian. And this ascetic, he began to teach him the way of, of being an ascetic. He began to teach him the way of denying himself. He began to teach him the way of, of going out into the wilderness and living alone. And I mean, they, they, carried, they carried asceticism to an extreme. 
Not only did they take vows of poverty, but they took vows of silence. They took vows that they would, they would not come into contact with other people. But they even, I mean, the, the stories are told how they would beat their bodies into submission. The stories are told how they would live on nothing but grass. They would eat grass for weeks and weeks on end. Pacomius realized realized that there were some questions that were beginning to come, uh, come across in his mind. He, be- he, began, he began to ask his que- these, these questions as, as, he, as he wrote them down. How can you learn to love if no one else is around? How can you learn humility by living alone? How can you learn kindness or gentleness or goodness in isolation? How can you, how can you learn patience in, unless someone unless someone else puts your patience to the test. In short, in short, he concluded that, that spiritual, developing spiritual fruit requires being around people, ordinary, ornery people. To save souls, he says, you must bring them together. Did you get that? To save souls, he said, you must bring them together. Today we're beginning a a short message series entitled, Better Together. Better Together. For we have realized, we have realized here at Oklahoma City First Church, that we are better together than we are separate. In this season of social distancing, in this season of, 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 of... of having to worship from home for a while in the season of your of our staff uh, officing from home in the season of not being able to hug one another in the season of not being able uh, to physically be in the same Sunday school classroom together in the season of all of this social distancing I suspect that you have learned and we have all learned more so than ever before that we are better together than we are apart and we are alone we have I, 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 and and again i think that it's something that we have we've learned about for a long long time here at oklahoma city first church we have had i believe a, a leavening influence on our community had had we left or had we closed or had we thought it's too hard to be part of a of a church in this neighborhood and, and our, and our, our, our city's core would have been left without a church at its core. Had we as a church in 1995, had we as a church in 1955, had we as a church in 1932, had we as a church in 1897, had we as a church in 1899, had we come to the conclusion, it's just too hard It's just too hard being in that neighborhood. It's too hard being in the core of downtown. Had we as a church ever decided that, this great city would have been left without a strong church at its core, at the core of the city. And don't don't ever underestimate the power and and the influence of, of this church. I am fully convinced I'm fully convinced that if that a first church had had decided during the urban flight days, had we decided to move to the suburbs along with along with a half other dozen churches here along Robinson. By the way, this was called Church Row here along Robinson. 
and now there are only three existing churches here along Church Row. If you go far enough up Robinson, you'll get to the fourth church. There used to be more than a dozen churches right here along Church Row, and the rest of them fled to the suburbs. The rest of them shut down, and they said it's just simply too hard. But First Church did not. First Church did not, because we recognized that we were better together. We were better together. And it's my conviction that had all of the churches fled from this area, we would not have seen the revitalization of downtown like we have seen it. We absolutely would not have. If there was not a church presence in this downtown area, it would not be a place where people now are raising their young families. It would not be a place where an elementary school is now located just blocks from here. That would not have been the case had the churches fled as well. But at First Church, we realized that we are better, we are better together. We absolutely are better, are better together. So as we begin this series, thinking about what it means to be better together, we're going to be looking at, at really what our official mission statement is. Uh, and so you may, be familiar, you may be familiar with some of the things in our mission statement. And one of the very first thing that we talk about in our, in our mission and purpose is that we are, we have, we are committed to, to connecting with God and I add on there, and with one another. We are committed to connecting with God and to one another. And that is so very, very important. And again, we're looking at this in context with this understanding that we are better together. And so as we join together in connecting with God, we have found that we have to do that together. And during, again, we've recognized this over the last eight months, haven't we? How, how horribly difficult it is to connect with God in isolation. How horribly difficult it is to connect with God when we are all alone with no contact with anyone else. It's very much like the ascetics in the early days of the church. When we're not around other people, we don't we're not, we're not able to, to grow in our faith. When we are not able, when we're not around other people, well, then there's no one else to love around us. There's no one else to spur us on to humility or kindness and goodness and gentleness. There's no one else there to, to test our patience. But when we gather together, when we connect with God with one another, then, then we are spurred on. We are spurred on in our relationship with others and with God. Paul, Paul indeed knew that Christians are better together than they are apart. Have you ever noticed? In the New Testament, there is no such thing as an individual Christian. You never see a follower of Jesus by him or herself. You never see them by themselves. It is always, it is always two or more people two or more people who are gathered together. There's always a gathering of Christians in the New Testament, and I think, I, I think there's a reason for that. I think there's a reason for that. And Paul knew the same thing. Paul knew that we are better together than we are apart. We are better together with diverse grace-given gifts he talks about here in these, in these verses. 
For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, to not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same functions. He says, this, he says something very, very similar a couple of other times during his writings. But this is a unique list that he comes up with. You know, in other times, he talks about the diversity in the body, and that is so very important. He goes on and talks about how the, if, everyone, if, if every part of the body was an eye, how would you be able to smell? If, everybody, if every part of the body was a, was a hand, how would you be able to walk if, you, there wasn't, if, there weren't any, if there weren't any feet among the body? We all, ha- we, we all, we all are required. We all are required. And so if, if you... If you or if you disconnect a finger off of a body and you put it outside of the body, that finger is not worth anything. It can, do, it can do nothing. It has to be connected to the body to have its proper use. The same way with eyes. If you disconnect an eye from a body, it's worth nothing. It has to be part of this overall body for it to be able to, to, be able to function the way it was created to function. And the exact same thing is true with each one of us. Paul goes on here and lists in, 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 this, in this passage from Romans, he goes on and lists multiple, multiple things. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy, well, in proportion to your faith. If service, in our serving. If, if it is one who teaches, well, then they should teach. The one who exhorts in their exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who do, does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is a very, very different list than the charismatic lifts, uh, gifts uh, that, that, he, that he talks about in 1 Corinthians 14. He, no, these are, these are gifts that are... That are, that are very, very pedestrian. These are gifts that are very, very ordinary. But he says, even those ordinary gifts, and really in, in this list, we can, we can split it up into two different sections here. One is a section of, of speaking or exhorting, and another is a, is a group of lifts, li- gifts that are action-oriented. So those two simple actions, either speaking or acting, they are all required in the body of Christ. And when we do so, when we are together, and when we, we, when we speak and when we act as a, as a body of believers, then we are able to connect with God and we are able to connect with one another. And it's so vitally important. So vitally important because as pollster George Gallup said recently, he said, Americans are among the loneliest people in the world. As I surveyed Americans, I realized that they are lonely people in the midst of busy lives, overcommitted schedules, and congested cities, we feel alone. We drive on overcrowded freeways, sit in jam-packed airplanes, and eat in noisy restaurants, but we are still oh so lonely. But that's not how God created us to be, is it? In the very, in the very beginning, 
God saw that man was alone and it was not good. It was not good for the man to be alone. And so he created woman to come alongside him. We have been created for relationships. We've been created for relationships, relationships with God, relationships with one another. And as we, as we embrace those relationships, we can, again, recognize that we are better together. We're better together when we join together and, and, and go to someone's house and, and begin to pick up leaves and, and limbs uh, together like, like many of us did yesterday. We're better together when we do that. We are better together when we, when we go out and eat after church with other young adults in our church. We are better together when we pool our resources and engage in and partner with life-changing missions around our community like the Exodus House and homeless ministries and mission work uh, in, in Ukraine and, and, and Iraq and Peru and China. We are better together than we are apart. Don't ever, ever forget that. And every single one of us, every single one of us have gifts that are desperately, desperately needed in the kingdom. Don't ever think that you have nothing to offer. Don't ever think that you, that you should just simply watch, by the, watch on the sidelines. No, instead, instead, you are needed, desperately needed by God. Would you join with me in prayer? Oh, Lord Jesus Christ, we are indeed better together than we are apart. No doubt there is, there is something important whenever, whenever, we, whenever we lay aside our comfort. There is something important whenever, whenever we we sacrifice. But God, we must do that together. Not in isolation. Not alone. But instead, we must commit to doing that together. Commit to pooling our resources. Commit to being engaged with, with others in the life of our community and in the life of our church. Lord Jesus, make us one body and help us to know we are oh so much better than together than we could ever be apart. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.